Innovation happens in the blink of an eye. And to understand the implications, you need a credible source that helps to make sense of it all. Stay up to date on the most pressing innovation issues shaping the world today by subscribing to Better Innovation, a podcast featuring top management strategists, policymakers, and leading innovation thought leaders from across the globe. Going into its sixth season, Better Innovation, hosted by Jeff Saviano, a global innovation leader with EY, delves into how innovative technologies like blockchain, artificial intelligence, digital currencies, and the promise of Web 3.0 are transforming the global landscape. Featuring elite guests like Jeremy Allaire, CEO of Circle Financial, authors Whitney Johnson and Rita McGrath, former U.S. Cabinet member Andrew Card, and a number of leading MIT scientists. Subscribe today and hear more from these distinguished guests. Subscribe to Better Innovation on your favorite podcast platform. G'day everyone, Lauren Kress, the business scientist here. Hope you're doing well. Really, really excited to be sharing today's episode with you with Kylie Stone. So Kylie is the CEO of The Performance Code and she's also a podcaster. She's the podcast host of The Uncharted Leader amazing woman. What I love about Kylie and what really struck me about this interview was how forthcoming she was about her own struggles, her own vulnerability. Uh, We talk about gender issues and we talk about the importance of resilience and the importance of storytelling as well. But the way we do that is because Kylie is able to be so vulnerable uh, and open with her own situation, which it's just so rare to get people who are super authentic uh, you know, and it's hard, like it's hard to do. I find it hard to do as well. So when you get an interview like this, you're just like, yes, this is gold. Uh, I actually highly recommend checking out the YouTube version of this. I mean, obviously, if you prefer listening to a podcast, uh, do it. But there's something about that kind of connection on video that I think is quite cool with some of these interviews. Um, so what do we actually talk about? We talk about everything from leadership to storytelling. We talk about behavioral change and identity. We deal with the imposter syndrome. We get into neuroscience. Uh, We nerd out a little bit for a while. Uh, We talk about vulnerability and resilience and the opportunities that slowing down over the past few months has provided us. So awesome, awesome listen. I hope you enjoy it. If you want to find out more about Kylie and the Performance Code, head over to theperformancecode.co or you can go and check out Kylie's profile on LinkedIn. The name of her podcast again is The Uncharted Leader if you want more from Kylie. And just before we get on to the main part of the show today, a little note from me, a little memo. If you're enjoying this podcast, the the way podcasts grow, right? I've said this a few times before. This is a this is a brand growth show. And the way podcasts grow is through word of mouth. Word of mouth is the most powerful thing. My success of my podcast is in your hands. Yes, I can do some SEO stuff. Yes, of course, I promote this stuff on social media. But really what makes this podcast successful is you and your decision to support it. So anything you can do to help support the show, a few things could be, one, subscribe to the show if you're not already subscribed or follow. So on some platforms it's follow, some platforms it's subscribe. So do that if you haven't already. If you know someone or you know a group of people who would really enjoy this, like share that, share this in that Facebook group, share this on that WhatsApp group, share it with someone in particular who you think would get a lot out of it. 
share it with your LinkedIn pod, wherever you are. If you find this or any of the other episodes useful, please consider doing that because that is what makes this podcast grow. And thank you to everyone who has been doing that. Really, really appreciate it. The other thing you can do is you can rate and review the show. Uh, Let other people know what it's about and what you think. Uh, You can do that on Apple Podcasts. There's other platforms you can do that on as well. You can jump on the Facebook page and rate and review it there as well. So just look up Grow Your Brand Podcast on Facebook and leave a review there. Um, Jump on Twitter and share it with the people on Twitter. Share it with your network there. Use the hashtag Grow Your Brand. You can tag me in the post as well at LaurenCress89. There's lots of free ways that you can support the show. If that's not really your jam and you'd still like to support the show, the other thing you can do is you can just buy me a cup of coffee on Ko-fi. I have to pay to put this this podcast out. I have to pay for the platform. I have to pay to actually have a landing page for people to buy me coffee as well uh, on Ko-fi. So anything that you can do, like you'd be surprised, but a few dollars from a few people goes a long way. So $3, $3 for a cup of coffee, that's all I'm asking for. All right, there might be a little ad break here and then we'll get on to the main part of the show today. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In store or online at mattressfirm.com today. G'day everyone, Lauren Cress, the business scientist here. Hope you're all doing well. Super excited about my guest today, Kylie Stone. Kylie is a podcaster, she's a mentor, she's a coach, she does super amazing stuff. And we've been having this awesome chat before we even started talking, like we need to record. So Kylie, to start off, can you tell us a little bit about you and what you're up to at the moment? Yeah, so firstly, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land. So I am a descendant of the stolen generation uh, from the Waka Waka and Kalali nations. Uh, I Yes, I am a coach. I'm a consultant. Um, I think it's often hard to identify myself these days by a title or a role because, you know, 28 years of being in the industry, one kind of goes, hmm, I have quite a lot of talents. Where should I start? Uh, so, you know, and one of the things I'm very passionate about for people is p- for people to recognise uh, their own talents and strengths and not to feel like they have to identify themselves by a particular role or title. Um, now, in saying that, uh, you know, I started my own business uh, back five years ago now. So I'm the CEO of a company called The Performance Code, which is a coaching consultancy. Uh, we specialise in transformation and resilience and well-being. Uh, and I also have a not-for-profit that is about empowering women and it's using the power of storytelling to bring different women together from different backgrounds and cultures and experiences uh, in order to share stories, which in, in you know, my experience is one of the key accesses for people to express their leadership. Mm. I love that. I love what you said also about this kind of like, you know, not, I mean, the way I think about it is like not boxing yourself in, right? Like I am this person. It's really interesting how for, you know, culturally, I think for a long time, particularly out of the corporate space, there has been this kind of like you are your job identity kind of thing, right? How do you think COVID has affected the way people think about 
their their life, their work, their business, if they're running a business? And, and what are you kind of seeing in terms of those changes? Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I've been involved in since COVID has been launching a mentoring program for the marketing industry, because my background is a marketer. Uh, and there's been a lot of conversation in that about this very thing, actually. And there's, I think the thing that I've heard mostly is, firstly, people are quite relieved uh, in many respects. Once they deal with the economic crisis and the, you know, the loss of not being able to, you know, have the, some of many people without the security anymore of having a job. So there's a big, you know, impact there. But it's given people the space to slow things down. Um, and so on the one hand, you've got people who are like really dealing with some very bad stuff. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, there's a recognition that actually this is the change we needed to have and to slow things down. It just is unfortunate that it comes with, you know, a lot of health crisis and death and, you know, it's just a shame that that's the case. But one thing around the identity and work that I've, I've certainly noticed with people is it is a very difficult period to transition out of what who we identify with. You know, when we go to work and we be a certain person and then we show up and we do our job, um, there is a, you know, it's almost, it's like, oh, God, that tension between now, who am I? You know, in fact, many people I've spoken to have even just started jobs just before COVID and they're like, oh, my God, I feel so out of place. I'm like, I have, what do I do? You know, you feel a bit lost. So um, mostly people feel a bit lost to start with, but I think now... Uh, given that it's some time in, I think people are starting to really tap into the opportunities a lot that, that it does bring. There's something about that being feeling lost. I mean, so I, I have a sp specific category of existential crises that are just for COVID because I feel like I was just having one every week. And I, I say that like in a bit of a joking manner because I look back on it now and I can kind of laugh about it. But at the time I was like, this is, this is really hard. I feel really lost and I've lost all my, 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 my sort of main clients and business and what am I doing now? But uh, I definitely see that there's a lot of silver linings here. And I think that you know, that kind of leaning into being lost can be such a, a great opportunity for change. I know that, you know, you work in that sort of uh, behavioural area. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, change and how change works and, and what you can do when you feel lost? Yeah, well, I think uh, I feel a bit lucky in some sense because personally I went through this myself back in 2012 uh, after I'd had kids. So I've got three kids and I had three children in the space of three years, which was wow. a bit of a shock. Uh, yeah, and and it kind of in in many respects, I've been sharing with a lot of people actually how the current climate for me uh, reminds me a lot of what I personally went through back in 2012 when I had the first experience of not really being able to pursue what I was really passionate about, which was my job. Like I loved my job, um, and back then, you know, and even to this day, that it's very limited in terms of flexibility for women in senior leadership positions. So I was really torn. <laughs> you know, I really wanted to work full time and then I had these kids and I thought, oh God, I can't do this, you know. Mm. Um, so I went through a period of maybe two years where I felt really torn. And, you know, it was during that time, even for myself, I felt very lost. So, you know, I like to speak about it from a very personal perspective because I think then it, it gives people an opportunity to see where for them, because it's really different for different people. Um, and I think the toughest thing is, is when you're used to working in a certain environment, you just get used to things being that way. And when it changes, that that experience of not knowing, the experience of uncertainty and 
it's really about uncertainty more than anything because all of a sudden, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, I, I had no clarity at that point for myself. You know, we at the same time, it was like digital media. You know, we were at the peak of digital disruption and I was working in print. So, you know, thousands of people made redundant. I was put in a secondment role. So I had no certainty over my future. I had kids and mortgage. And, and so it was really, really difficult. And I think the thing that I can say, one of the things that made the biggest difference not only for me, but pe for people that I'm seeing now, um, is compassion. Um, you know, is to actually appreciate that there really is a lot of stuff out of our control that we can't do anything about. And honestly, I've not seen one person yet who doesn't put give themselves a hard time that they should be able to do something about it, that they should be able to find a job, that I, you know, I should feel okay about this. And it's like, no, actually, you know, there's no real should at all. In fact, this is the perfect time to recognise that there really is a lot out of your control. This is a time to bring kindness to yourself. This is a time to look at all those things in my, you know, in your life, my life that I was not paying attention to. And I can tell you at the time for me, there was a lot, you know, uh, you know, just normal things where, you know, you're not on top of your taxes or, you know, I was drinking alcohol and wasn't paying attention to my health. And, you know, was I really spending sufficient time with my kids? There was so much stuff in my life I was not taking care of. And, you know, the fallout for me back then was I ended up with an autoimmune condition so it really woke me up to say you know what during this time you kind of got to find peace in the uncertainty and because that's ultimately where we get our strength from yeah 100% I love that you relate it back to your personal story as well I think because I mean, you know, I think we're, we've been seeing this shift where people, and this kind of brings me into the storytelling a bit, but, you know, where people are starting to realise that being a bit vulnerable and sort of starting off by saying, well, this is how I sort of messed up and this is what I went through and this was like a bit of a painful journey to get to where I am, yeah. it actually... Uh, it, it's it gives people a sense of belonging like it actually makes people it draws people in right so yeah. you know you've got a marketing background like you said and you know same for me like I kind of feel like where marketing was 10 years ago was all about like kind of the shiny celebrity like oh wow look at this person let's put them up on a pedestal kind of thing like from a personal branding perspective mm. for today in, in today's climate like for people out there who are kind of like, I think there's a lot of people out there who don't feel confident to tell their story, to to uh, share those vulnerabilities. Mm. How important is that in, in creating audience and connection right now, do you think? Oh, uh, is there a greater value than 100%? <laughs> 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 but, you know, I really, to be a storyteller, one has to hit a point where they get that uh, that they have to remove their own concern about what other people think about them. Uh, you know, I had the same thing. I, you know, I you see because I'm academically, I'm not trained as a leadership person. You know, I didn't come from HR. I, I didn't come from that route. Um, I started my journey with personal development back in 2000, and so it's now been what 20 years uh, that I've been on that journey, and then I may only made the transition out of a marketing strategy area, you know, fortunately I'd been side hustling my development and, you know, and leadership transformation and coaching uh, for 10 years before I exited and kind of that's how I brought it all together. But, you know, I really had to deal with for myself 
my own view about whether or not I was the right person to do this kind of work. Um, and But what happened for me was mostly it kind of happened organically because of telling my story. You know, when I lost, um, when I went back to work and I had the three kids, they said, oh, you can't have your job uh, full time, but we want you back part time. And, you know, it all worked out technically, right? So I went back and did three days a week. But the, the authentic side for me was, you know, I'd show up to work, but fundamentally I was really bitter. I was like, you know, F this shit, you know, this is not right. Not because I didn't have a job, but all of a sudden after 20 years of climbing the corporate ladder, here I am in an office with, I'd lost all my staff. You know, I was accountable for a big part of the business. Um, I had 20 staff and now here I am sitting in an office like baby of dirty dancing, sitting in the bloody corner. I'm like, this is bullshit. Yeah. So it wasn't until I, I started sharing that with people. Like I bumped into a couple of other ladies who were also senior um, people in the company. And it was just at the coffee shop, actually. And one of them said, oh, how are you going? And I looked at her and I thought, I said, shit, actually? <laughs> we said, oh, oh, really? And I said, yeah, I'm so effing over this shit. She's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, just because I've had kids and just because I can't give full-time hours, it doesn't mean that my brain all of a sudden can't function. Like I was just saying how it was, right? And I said, now I've lost all of this that I've worked my ass off for. I'm no longer sitting in the executive meetings. Oh, my, by you, the executive meetings are in the office outside where my office is and I'm sitting out here like not able to contribute. Anyway, the look on her face, she, and I thought, oh, my God, I've just, what have I done to this poor woman? And she's like, me too. And I went, oh, really? She said, yeah, I'm so shit, you know. Like, and it literally what came out of her mouth was exactly the same story. She'd had kids. She was on trajectory for a leadership role and it just fell apart underneath her. And she's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I've been coaching for 10 years. So I said, I'm doing all the work on myself. I said, I'm working on creating a new future for myself. I said, because quite frankly, I'm not tolerating it. I'm like, I've got to do something here, you know, because that ain't going to change in the short term. So I did. And she's like, oh, well, can I, you know, can I do whatever? You I said, yeah, sure. So long story short, that was the nature of conversations I was having with women in the coffee shop. And then they were like, oh, my God, can I? So I started up a you know, mentoring session uh, once a week. And I ended up with a bunch of women in my office at lunch times and on calls and doing webinars and all that stuff. And honestly, every single woman in that room had, you know, varying stories, but it was the telling of the story and sharing their experiences, not changing them and not saying they've got to get more knowledge or they've got to get more professional development. I mean, shit, we're talking about women who are so confident, confident. I mean, these are women who are running businesses, like running News Corp, for God's sake, you know, running big brands. And and I'm like, what? You know, no, you don't need more leadership development to, you know, just blah, 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 right? And so anyway, the miracle was that as a result of just the communication, the storytelling, we had women in there that were producing results that were like way out of what they thought was possible. So, you know, that was the moment for me that I was like, you know what? Storytelling is an incredible gift from the opportunity to connect with another human being, to get what's in the way out of the way and actually be able to advance towards a future that allows us to have the experience of fulfilling on what we really want. And that's ultimately what the world needs, right? The world doesn't need more wealthy, successful, big-noted people. No, the world needs more storytellers, more healers, more people who are committed to connecting. It's like realising and allowing people to show up. You know, we need people like you, for example, to give the spaces where 
we can sit here and have these conversations. And honestly, I, I, I share myself so that people get a sense of, you know, I might look a certain way, but for God's sake, I'm a black woman in white skin. You know, I don't have a privileged background, although a lot of people, when they meet me, they go, oh, you know, she must be. But, you know, I do that with the intention to disrupt a conversation called, you know, everyone's got a story and anything is possible uh, when you're able to share your story and be authentic about that. Yeah, I, I think oh, there was so much great stuff in there, and I'm like, where should I, where should I start? <laughs> you just have to disrupt the show because when I get on a roll, I love to chat. So, <laughs> I know it was all good. It was all good. I wasn't going to break your flow, but um, I think probably what what stuck out to me in particular was that kind of like again, it goes back into that boxing in. Like one thing that I see a lot of is super smart, competent people thinking that in order to put myself out there, in order to start a business, in order to get a promotion, I have to still do more to myself in a mm. way that it's like from the outside. I have to acquire more knowledge. I have to do that course. I have to like, and what I, you know, I feel like you were kind of saying as well is it's actually, it's more helping that person to discover that, hey, you have gifts and talents to share with the world. Yes. It, the, it, the barrier is there, right? It's not the more, more, more outside. Uh, mm. Where does that start? Like why is it that these smart, talented people, like you said, in, in really high up uh, positions, why is it that there's this, this self-doubt, do you think? Yeah, well, firstly, what I'd say about that is I'm not sure if people know, but so I'm certified in the neuroscience of resilience. Uh, technically, it's called the neuroscience of resilience, but it, the direct correlation is about the relationship with well-being and performance. So I prefer to talk about it mostly in the area of neuroscience for things like motivation and performance in life. And I say that because that it is the brain. <laughs> um, Self-doubt is a function of survival, you know, in a world of attempting to move and succeed. And, you know, mostly we don't have any control over that. So I like to bring that up because for anyone who ever experienced, you know, it's the same with things like the imposter syndrome, you know, any kind of self-doubt or internal conversation. I say to people, look, that is something that you don't actually have control over. See, whenever the, the limbic part of the brain that starts operating, what comes out of our mouth and the thoughts we have will just go crazy. I mean, you know, like I went through a period where I'd wake up in the morning and to some day, you know, I've really got to have practices in place for myself to disrupt that automatic wiring of the limbic brain. But when we wake up or, you know, it doesn't stop chatting. You know, this is one of the biggest problems is that we think that somehow, oh, if we have self-doubt, there's something wrong with me. No, actually, that's not you. That's actually just your brain operating and you can rewire that if you would like. Mm -hmm. And when they realise that, you're like, I mean, I've seen some women, some men actually, both of them, you know, when they actually stop and pay attention to the conversation that they're having with themselves and I say, listen, I don't even want you to change it. Don't change it. Just let it be. Just let it be. I go, now, what do you really want? And they go, oh, but then they have the story about why they can't get what they want. I go, I got that. That's okay. Listen, you can be as messed up as you really want to be for yourself. Like who I am for myself is really messed up, right? Like I've had a very colourful past. So I go, oh, it's not really possible because blah, blah, blah. And then I just do it anyway, right? Yeah. Good old just do it. And honestly, the miracles that I've seen people produce, and that's why I often say to people, this, this is about having unprecedented results because in your view of yourself, you're limited in terms of your own thinking, really. And if you just do it and see what's possible, 
I kid you not, you will become the kind of person that you think and you desire to always be. And it's such a gift when people experience that. You know, like when you see people really move and take things that are traditionally what they'd say is out of their comfort zone, right? It's really heartwarming. It's so interesting that you bring this up because it was exactly what we were talking about. I do like a Monday motivation episode on my podcast and I was like, you know, you need to stop wanna being and just start being in the sense that like if you say like, oh, I want to be an author, it's like you're identifying as like I'm not an author. But if you just go, I am an author, then you kind of have to show up and start behaving like an author, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Language is a very powerful thing. Uh, very powerful like it, words in fact one of the things that I think we do need to master is our how we communicate the words that we use like our words I mean I'm a parent and one of the things that I I've had to be very responsible for is knowing that our words last a lifetime when it comes to the development of our children now that goes the same for in a, you know our employees you know as leaders what we say has an impact. And even if you think, oh, no, they'll brush it off and it's not that big a deal. No, I promise you, their internal state will have a reaction to what you're saying. And words really do matter. They really do. And that's why I I really believe in the importance of storytelling because it allows people to then connect with the words that are being used and they feel a sense of connection, which, as you know, fundamentally as a human being, that's what we need for survival and meaningful connections. One of the things that I notice a lot of is that uh, particularly with, uh, you know, within the the business to business space, like, and there's that sort of enterprise space is that people suddenly assume, and it happens on LinkedIn, right? People go, oh, but it's a, it's a business like platform. So I can't tell an emotional yeah. story, you know, yeah. like, because it's business. And I'm like, who do you think works in businesses? Like robots? <laughs> like <laughs> They're still humans, right? Like, do you you kind of see this? It's a really great thing you brought up. And actually, I was thinking about this before you and I jumped on this morning because um, there is acknowledging it and then noticing whether it's limiting you or not. Because I do think that there is a responsibility, especially as leaders, that we have to making sure that we're allowing people to feel confident, for example. This is one of the big issues we deal with is at an executive level, you know, executives are still very much dealing with the same stuff that employees are dealing with in their whole fear and their stress and their anxiety and all that stuff. But when they show up for work, there is a level of um, accountability that they have to the safety and the um, the well-being of their people. And so there's a fine line between allowing your vulnerability to show and then communicating and showing up in a way that instills confidence. And it's like showing up to this, for example, right? Like, honestly, it was nine, I think it was like 22 minutes before you and I were due to get, jump on a call. I had just walked in the in the door from the gym and I had a look at myself in the mirror and I thought, do I think I could jump on here just the way I am? And, and so I had this whole conversation with myself about the pros and the cons, right? So in making the decision, I was like, well, who you are for people is be real and be authentic. And, oh, well, you know, you're in COVID now, so it doesn't matter. People expect that you're going to be, it's whenever it happens. And I had all this justification for how, you know, I've got to work tonight, so I've got to facilitate, so I don't want to be in makeup and have, blood, you know, this done for now. You know, all that stuff going on in my head, right? And then I thought about it and I thought, you know, here's the thing about this. At the end of the day, human beings judge. 
we all do it. We all make decisions about what we think about other people. And then we allow those decisions to shape our own life. So in get showing up this morning, like you should have seen me, I was like, right, I have 20 minutes. I'm getting in the shower. I am going to put makeup on. I am going to do my hair. And it's not about you, Kylie. It is about in service of how you're going to show up for others. And this is really important because who we get to be in life is only partly a function of who we are. See, we show up in the world and we're one of 7.9 billion people on the planet. What the heck makes us think that, you know, we're so goddamn special? Now, paradox, because we are, each and every one of us is, but my success in life, Lauren, has got nothing to do with me, really. My success in life has to do with the conversations that people have about me. You know, now, whether I like that or not, too bad, because the decisions that get made about how I engage with other people is going to come from whether they like me, whether they don't like me, whether they... Now, do I let that limit me? No. Am I accountable for it? Yes. And I think that's where we need to consider about drawing a line, making that decision for ourselves. You know, if we're going to show up, you know, on social media, for example, be authentic at the same time and then be accountable for what is your intention? You know, what are you wanting to cause out there in the world? What is, what is the difference you want to make with the people over there? And then make the decision based on that. It sort of like goes back to like what we were chatting about before we jumped on this live stream as well in terms of like, you know, you t- were talking about like how can I have the impact in the way I want to have impact? Like is this working or, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I feel like in in business, in the entrepreneurship space especially I think there is this big focus on like being pragmatic and it's sort of like what's actually going to have the you know you can't if you can't beat them join them kind of thing right like I'm not a fully like I'm not a super like neoliberal like I want to make millions of dollars thing but like I I'm in a space where I'm surrounded by people who are kind of like that right but I'm like but in a capitalist society I have to operate a certain way to get the impact I want so not to to make this about economics and politics but for you like do you feel like there is this kind of like you know I would really love if it worked this way but actually I'm gonna have to go the back door route and kind of figure this out like how how has that kind of manifested itself for you oh absolutely I mean I could talk about that in many different domains I mean even in my own family life you know uh you know I've got three children two boys and a girl and you know there's a certain part of them that's designed just by default in terms of the fact that they you know are a human being and that they are the way they are right and I notice it for myself and and when it's not uh you know they have automatic ways of communicating comparing themselves with others and I notice my my initial reaction is to make it wrong like that's just what's automatically there and it's the same with the way certain things are economically I mean look at the you know, the you know, let's just go there, you know, the political climate in the US and, um, you know, we could go there and I go, well, that's not right, you know, and, and then I have a reaction to it. I think the for me, the, the way that I deal with it is noticing that it's very normal for me to have all the kind of reactions that I would have and that the only way if I'm about to see any change happen is to acknowledge for myself that I can't change uh, the way that other people show up. I can't change what's already there. I mean, women in leadership is one, right? I have been a campaign for women and and at the same time, I'm also mindful that it's not, you know, many of the men also have been born into a world where that is by design. You know, it's a it's a historical thing. And it's the same in, in the US, you know, they've got a president in there. Well, look, you know, if they had a, they've got a voting system that kind of put him there by default. Now, 
when we know better, we do better, right? And I, that was a very interesting conversation I had in a podcast actually with the guy from the US and he asked me my views about that. And, and, I, and he said to me, well, do you, what do you think we deserve it? And I said, no, I'm not saying that you deserve it. I said, but if you take a look from the perspective called, well, you know, I think there was a 50% voting really in the population size of the US to get the president that they've got. I said, most people are actively choosing not to vote. I mean, if you're going to do that, one has to take responsibility for the fact that you guys put him there. Now, I know that you don't like it now, but we can't change the past. In fact, we make the best decision at the time that we think we know to make. So all you can do is acknowledge what works now and say, well, what can I do about it now? Because I, I don't know, I've just always been of the opinion that, and it's not always personally been this way for me because I've always given myself a hard time. You know, it takes one knowing one to know others, right? Is that when we do know better, we do do better. So that's kind of how I go. This has been so much fun. Like I'm, I, I feel like we could talk for like another hour <laughs> easily. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to get you back for another chat. But for to, to kind of fit, you know, tie things off. Um, for people yeah. who want to find out, because you are doing all these different various things. Like, what's the best way for them to find out more about you, what you're doing, reach out and, and connect. Yeah, I, I mean, I think LinkedIn is always the easiest place, given that's a social platform from a business perspective. So uh, I'm on there, easy to get me there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, doing what you're doing, I have a big commitment to telling people stories. And so, you know, they can, if you get me on LinkedIn, it's, I think is the easiest thing. But, you know, the performance code is the performancecode.co. Yeah. Actually, I do want to ask you, because we do have a few more minutes, just quickly, if you can tell us a little bit about your podcast show as well yeah. and what you're doing there. Yeah. So my mission is to disrupt the traditional view of leadership. Uh, you know, having spent 20 years climbing the corporate ladder, as you can recall, my story was, you know, I then got confronted with not having that. And I had to find a way for myself to express my own leadership uh, without it being all the it has a title, you have academic credentials, you know, you've got a seat at the top of the hierarchy, you know, like all that stuff, right? And so by doing that, what I discovered is, well, actually, when we have the freedom to express ourselves, we actually operate really well as leaders. So the podcast is designed to disrupt that view and to get as many people as possible to share their personal story, whether they're in a leadership position, whether they're passionate about leadership, uh, whether they're an emerging leader, it really is a conversation about what do you what's leadership look like for you what are your successes what are your failures and actually bring to life that it, these are all human beings just doing the best they possibly can being a leader isn't easy and when you're uh, got a spotlight on people's stories i think we can bring compassion to to that you know i think one of the things that triggered me to start it was even noticing for myself how for the last 10 years we have we ever given any of our prime ministers a, you know a rap i mean you know, when Julian Gillard was in there, everyone was giving her a hard time and now they love her. And then they go, mm. and the next one goes in there. And then they go, Kevin Rudd, that gets in there. And then they go, eh, Kevin Rudd. And then they go, oh, Kevin Rudd. I'm like, are you serious? Like, and then they get the next one in there and then, and they give him a hard time. And now he's out. They're like, oh, and I'm really serious to God. Like, Scott Morrison's now, they're giving him a bloody hard time. And then now he'll get out and then, then there'll be the next one. And then the next one. Listen, until somebody's actually been in the seat of what it takes to be a goddamn leader shut the you know i'm not saying that they're great at their job i'm not saying that 
But listen, if we're going to do anything, we have to take responsibility for ourselves and our role in what we're doing. So that's why I started the podcast. Um, I'm about to, you know, because I want to disrupt that. I want people to realise who they are as a leader and that they can do anything. But to do that, we have to confront that that conversation exists. So that's what the podcast is about. Oh, it sounds amazing. Kylie, thank you so much for this chat. It's been absolutely wonderful having you on and I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Thanks, Thank everyone. you. All right, that's it from me for today. Let me know what you thought of that episode. I thought it was truly inspiring and let Kylie know as well. So like I said, you can go find her on LinkedIn. Check out her podcast show as well, The Uncharted Leader. I'll be back on Friday for such a great episode, another awesome one. I've like stockpiled them for you guys. Uh, This is with Darren Moffat, who is another podcaster. He runs a podcast called Nerds of Business and we get really nerdy on this show and we talk about how to grow your podcast audience, like the real way, not like the not like the fake way that there's a lot of podcast promoters. They're around on Fiverr and LinkedIn and stuff and they'll say things like, I can promote your show for like, you know, five bucks or whatever. <laughs> no, we're talking about real strategies that you can use to grow your audience on your podcast. Haven't seen a lot of people talk about this effectively. So really excited to be sharing that with you. Uh, I'll be back then on Friday. So if you're excited about that episode, you can go check that out on YouTube. Otherwise, you can wait until Friday to hear it on the podcast. Until next time, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99.